from the Geology Podcast Network coming to you from Kingston, Ontario. Canada is a big place and the majority of us have not been able to explore its full extent. That is why, in the face of a global pandemic keeping us at home, I am bringing you some armchair Canadian geology. Welcome to the Backyard Geology Podcast Series, Canada Edition. Join me on a trip across Canada to look at some of our most treasured sites. This week's stop, Hamilton, Ontario. in Hamilton for four years while doing my undergraduate degree. As a student with only a bike to get around, Hamilton presented some challenges. Why? Because there is a massive 100 meter tall cliff passing through the center of the city. Locals call it the mountain, and let me tell you, after having biked and walked up it, I can confirm that it is in fact a cliff and is nearly vertical in most sections. Despite the mobility problems this structure poses for a student like me, I have come to love it for its geology. If we want to get picky, this structure is not a mountain nor a cliff. It is a cuesta, or escarpment, which separates two parts of land of different elevations with a steep slope. The Niagara Escarpment, as it is properly known, is a sedimentary structure stretching over 700 kilometers, starting in Wisconsin, looping around the top of Lake Michigan, through Lake Huron, forming Georgian Bay, through southern Ontario and into New York State. It passes straight through the city of Hamilton. The bedrock of more than half of Canada is part of the well-known Canadian Shield. These rocks are well over a billion years old, dating back to the Proterozoic Eon. The rocks dip slightly to the southwest and are overlain in southern Ontario by Paleozoic cover rocks deposited about 600 to 350 million years ago. It is these Paleozoic rocks that make up the face of the escarpment exposed throughout Hamilton. The Paleozoic cover is composed of sedimentary rocks, including sandstones, shales, and carbonates, dolostones and limestones, that were deposited way back when Hamilton was located on the edge of the supercontinent called Laurentia, which existed just before our last and most famous supercontinent, Pangaea. The margin of Laurentia was located near the equator in a shallow sea. As Laurentia's neighboring continent, Baltica, edged closer and closer to Laurentia, it eventually caused a continental-continental collision between the tectonic plates, forming the Taconic Mountains, which were uplifted on the western edge of the shallow sea, or on what is now the eastern side of Canada and the United States. With uplift comes erosion, and the sediments from the Taconic Mountain were drained by rivers into the shallow sea, which was called the Iapetus Ocean, now just inland of Laurentia. These sediments included clays and sands, forming shales and sandstones, in a shallow sea which are now part of today's Queenston Delta, a wedge of sediments located in western North America. As the collision slowed to a halt, so did the uplift of the Taconic Mountains, and the associated erosion of sediments, allowing the Iapetus Ocean to become clean and clear and sea level to fall. The clear, warm, shallow, tropical waters created the ideal environment for the growth of reefs inhabited by corals, brachiopods, sea scorpions, trilobites, and the infamous crinoid or sea lily, which looked like a little flower and can be found today all over the escarpment rocks in Hamilton. 
Further evidence of this environment is shown by ripples, which are preserved in the sediments, and by bioturbated sediments, which are sediments that have been disturbed by organisms and by seafloor life. Tropical Hamilton would have been a great place to live 400 million years ago. Limestones made of calcium carbonate, the same stuff as shells and exoskeletons of our seafloor inhabitants, were deposited chemically as precipitate from the water and biochemically as shelled organisms died across the seafloor. These processes left a Paleozoic cover over the Paleoproterozoic bedrock of the Canadian Shield. The lower sedimentary units are composed of sandstones and shales, while the upper sedimentary units are composed of primarily limestone that has been converted into dolostone, which is made of calcium-magnesium carbonate. This occurs as magnesium atoms slowly replace the calcium atoms in limestone, or calcium carbonate. The former are smaller, which promote the formation of small holes in the dolostone called vugs, as the rock essentially shrinks with the replacement of the larger calcium atoms by the smaller magnesium atoms. Vugs are prominent in the Paleozoic rocks, appearing as small holes, sometimes infilled with calcite crystals, which makes them look extra cool, forming geodes. Aside from the calcite infills, the abundance of fossils will be sure to catch your eye. You can easily pick up fossils at exposures of the uppermost dolostone formations. The escarpment rocks themselves are very old, dating back 600 to 350 million years ago. But the escarpment structure, the one that gives me problems on my bike, is actually relatively young. Erosion over the past 15,000 years or so, including that associated with the presence of a once massive overlying ice sheet, has created the escarpment. The movement of ice scoured the surface, eroding down the rocks and shaping the landscape into its present-day form. Without a doubt, the most important erosional process that occurred to build the escarpment face is differential erosion. This occurs when soft, more easily eroded sedimentary rocks are eroded more quickly than overlying harder, more weather-resistant sedimentary rocks. The alternating sandstone, shale, and dolostone layers, known as strata, in the escarpment created the perfect conditions for this process to operate. Shales are made of muds and other fine sediment grains and are very soft. Dolostones and sandstones, on the other hand, are hard and are eroded much more slowly than the shales. As the shales get eroded, dolostones and sandstones form overhangs, which are periodically subject to mass rockfalls. Together, erosion of shale and rockfalls of overhanging dolostone and sandstone strata form an abrupt termination of the rock, thereby producing the cliff-like escarpment. In many locations around Hamilton, the rock face is nearly vertical. This structure has its advantages. It acts as a natural boundary, makes for incredibly scenic views over the city, perfect for watching sunsets and sunrises, I might add, and makes for several destination trips for rock climbers and mountain bikers alike. The Bruce Trail and associated side trails run along parts of the escarpment edge if you're looking for a place to check out the views. Unfortunately, having a giant cliff passing through a city also has its disadvantages, namely stability issues. The escarpment face is receding to this day through differential erosion as water moves over and through the rocks. 
This is extremely evident at waterfalls, which are plentiful on the escarpment. In fact, Hamilton is known as the waterfall capital of the world. Many local waterfalls, for example, Tiffany Falls or Chidoki Falls, have carved the cliff face back, forming narrow valleys with small creeks running through them. Another excellent example are the Niagara Falls, about 70 kilometers east of Hamilton, which fall over the edge of the escarpment. The Niagara Gorge is continuously receding, and the sediment record shows that the falls used to be much further up the gorge than their current location. Rock falls, which are mainly dolostone, and landslips, which are mainly shales, from the escarpment face are bad news all around for those on the top and the base of the escarpment. Rock falls are not uncommon on escarpment access routes, causing periodic road closures as engineers attempt to restore slope stability after rockfall events. In addition, if your house is on the top of the escarpment, on the edge, it could be put at risk. As you can imagine, falling rocks really do not have to be that large to start causing serious problems. A trail I biked up frequently had a landslip this winter, where shales gave out and the dollastone blocks fell onto the bike path. The largest block was upwards of a meter in length, and the momentum of the landslip spread rock debris across the width of the path. I'd like to think that if I was biking there at the time, I would have been able to avoid the fall, but if that rock was coming towards me, I really would not have stood a chance. Researchers at McMaster University in Hamilton are currently studying the escarpment with the ultimate goal of mitigating geohazards by understanding its geologic history and the role of environmental factors on erosion. Fracturing, vegetation growth, and fluid flow properties and their associated effects on erosion are all under investigation, as well as different ways of quantifying erosion spatially and geometrically. This information can help guide when and where slope reinforcements need to be made by predicting the location and magnitude of rockfall events. The city of Hamilton is just one of many places in southern Ontario where you can see the cliffs of the almost perfectly horizontal layered rocks of the escarpment. Several parks and conservation areas exist along the escarpment, many of which make use of the escarpment for outdoor recreational activities. Other good spots nearby include Kelso Conservation Area, Mount Nemo, and Rattlesnake Point. You can also see great exposures throughout the Dundas Valley, located in the western part of Hamilton, which cuts through the Paleozoic rocks. If you're a geology aficionado and are ever in southern Ontario, I encourage you to check out the Niagara Escarpment, where you can see the remnants of a tropical seafloor metropolis in a Canadian city that can now reach minus 30 degrees in the winter. Hamilton's mountain is well worth a visit, though I would suggest you come with a car if you want to avoid the 100 meter elevation climbs. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and your family. Backyard Geology Canada Edition is part of the Geology Podcast Network and is sponsored by Travelling Geologists.